You're listening to 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. I'm Cameron Billis. This is The Horsepower. Welcoming you back for our third podcast. And uh, we're going to get right into it here to talk about all your Detroit Pistons news and game recaps and everything you want to know. All right, well, let's get started with a few recaps. The Pistons faced the 76ers the other day, who the 76ers, everyone believed, were going to tank this year to, to try and get Andrew Wiggins from the Kansas Jayhawks, young freshman out of Canada who's supposed to be the next LeBron James. But, you know, the 76ers have done a great job this year, uh, considering the pieces that that roster has been given. Michael Carter-Williams has been an absolute stud. He had a triple-double the other night against the Orlando Magic, and it's just doing everything on both sides of the ball. He's scoring points, he's getting assists, he's getting rebounds. You know, the Pistons back in the NBA draft, he was one of the potential targets that a lot of people had in mind, and a lot of people didn't think that his game would translate. He was very raw on the offensive end, was very athletic, as he's quite a tall point guard, but you know, it it didn't end up working out as a fit. The Pistons went with Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I think they've been happy with that, but the 76ers have been as ecstatic with Michael Carter-Williams' play, and I would just look for that to continue. But anyway, getting back to this game, the Pistons won 115-100, to And young gun Andre Drummond had a career day. Just unbelievable game. Scored 31 points, had 19 rebounds, 6 steals, and 2 blocks, and 33 minutes of play. If you watch this game, he was just too athletic for 76ers defenders. He was getting offensive rebounds. He was getting putbacks. He was blocking shots. I mean, when Andre Drummond is on the court, both watching him in this game and watching most games this year, you can see that he is everywhere. You know when he is in games. He's just a force. And the most interesting thing about him, and I'll talk about Drummond more later in the show, is that the Pistons do not run plays for him. Everything that he scores and all of his statistics come off hustle points. It just his his positioning on the court is unbelievable for someone so young and has and he has so much more to learn and his upside is just tremendous. But anyways, getting back to this game, uh, Josh Smith and Brandon Jennings each scored twenty points and combined for seventeen assists, eight rebounds, and together shot six from thirteen from three, which is very good for them. They've struggled shooting the ball all year long, as as the whole Pistons team has. You know. Not many people thought that they would struggle this much from shooting from three-point range, but it's been a constant struggle all year, and to see arguably our two worst three-point shooters put up a close to 500 three-point shooting percentage in this game is very good to see, especially moving forward. The team made 10 threes, but you know, as I just mentioned, are still struggling to shoot from long distance. We gathered 57 rebounds, had 26 assists, and only 23 turnovers. 23 turnovers is a bit too much. That's something the Pistons have struggled with all year. And a lot of that has come from Brandon Jennings, who, you know, has done a really good job this year of trying to become more of a facilitator than a scorer. And it takes time to learn that position. And you can't, it's not something that you can just transition to overnight. He has done a very good job this year of just being more of a team player. So far this season, he has seven games, at least 10 assists or more, and has six double-doubles on the year. So I think he's been the key part to the Pistons, to be honest with you. I don't think he's been our best player, but... You know, when the Pistons went out and traded for Brandon Jennings and gave up Brandon Knight, they wanted a point guard who was more experienced, arguably has more skill, and, you know, just someone who can bring the team together more. And I think Jennings has done a very good job of doing that. Now, let's move on to Detroit's big game of the week, which was against the Miami Heat in South Beach, where the Pistons won 107-97. to They had a 10-point first quarter lead 
an 11-point halftime lead, and at one point led by 18. Now, Miami did not have Dwayne Wade this game, but they still played LeBron James. They still played Chris Bosh. They're still the defending champs. It was still in South Beach. This was a great, great victory for the Pistons. But, you know, they had another defensive lapse in the second half. Their lead was cut to three in the fourth quarter. And this has been a constant struggle all year for Detroit. They've blown games against the Lakers twice. They have, they've blown lots of leads that comes from a lack of team chemistry and inexperience. As I mentioned before on this on the show, Pistons are still a team that's trying to get to know each other. That's what happens when you go out and sign a bunch of guys in free agency. You need time to get to know one another and how each of your teammates works and their tendencies and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's still very early in the season. Those mental lapses in the second half should decrease. It happens. It's tough. But... What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's something that Mo Cheeks can show the team on game film and try and recover from that. But, you know, they kept the lead. They got the victory, and uh, it was very good to see. The Pistons in this game forced 19 turnovers from Miami, which led to 29 points on the offensive end. Very good to see. Pistons have actually led the league in steals, which is very impressive considering our defense has been one of the worst in the league by giving up points, especially inside the paint. Pistons out-rebounded the Heat 46-34. to Nothing surprising there considering the Pistons have been one of the best rebounding teams in the league. All starters scored in the double digits. Greg Monroe had 16 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks in 37 minutes. Josh Smith had 15 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists in 39 minutes. Andre Drummond continued to dominate with 10 points, 18 rebounds. Unfortunately, though, he did fall out, and he only got 23 minutes of play. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Andre Drummond had a double-double with 18 rebounds in only 23 minutes. It's unbelievable what this kid is doing. The fact that he is able to have that much of an impact on such a short amount of time it's just mind-boggling. He's 20 years old. He has so much potential. It is unbelievable. But uh, anyway, Brandon Jennings in that game had 15 points in 44 minutes. And Stuckey and Singler off the bench. I'll talk about Rodney Stuckey in a minute and how I believe he could be in play for sixth man of the year if he keeps his game up. But they combined for 34 points and 7 rebounds. Stuckey had 33 minutes. Singler had 27. Again, as I mentioned, Dwayne Wade did not play. And... A bright spot for Detroit was that they limited LeBron James to only 23 points. Now, that could seem like a lot, but keep in mind it's LeBron James, and guys like Paul George and Kevin Durant have gone off for 35 points or more on the Pistons. And now most people would say that LeBron James is the best player in the league, so to only limit him to 23 points is a huge success. I can guarantee you Mo Cheeks was very pleased with that defensive effort on LeBron. Michael Beasley, I thought I'd mention him real quick. He's returning to form. He was drafted second overall in the league back when him and Derrick Rose got drafted one and two overall, respectively. Originally drafted by Miami, returned to them this offseason, signed as a free agent, scored 23 points this game, and on the season is averaging 11 points per game and four rebounds with a 55 field goal percentage. He's been very impressive this year. It's been a huge piece for Miami. I can guarantee you they're happy with his play. And it's a big ad for them. You know, everyone always targets the defending champs as the team to beat, obviously. So everyone always wants to beat Miami. They have a huge target on their back. They can't always bring back the same roster and hope to compete. I think it's a very good addition for them if he can keep his mind in the right place and help focus them on a team level and not just try and get personal stats back. I think that'd be a very good ad. 
uh, when April rolls around. Now, last night, Detroit played Milwaukee in Milwaukee. It was Brandon Jennings' return. The Pistons won 105-98. to Andre Drummond, again, 24 points, 19 rebounds, 2 steals, 3 blocks, and 38 minutes of play. And this was his third consecutive game with 18-plus rebounds. That is unbelievable. The last person to do that for the Pistons was Ben Wallace. So that just shows how rare that type of statistic is. Greg Monroe also had a great game. Put up 18 points and 17 rebounds in 31 minutes of play. Brandon Jennings, in his return, had 17 points and 11 assists. Unfortunately, though, he added six turnovers to that. And Kyle Singler from the bench added 15 points. He was two from three from downtown, but he did fall out. So he'll look to improve upon those numbers next game, but did have a good statistical game. The Pistons, with that win, moved to 9-10. and 10. And, you know, they're finally starting to play together. As I mentioned earlier with the whole chemistry thing, you can see them growing together. Brandon Jennings and Josh Smith, uh, Brandon Jennings and Drummond. You know, they're starting to get familiar with each other's tendencies. And I think something to look forward to as the year progresses is when Chauncey Billups comes back, that should really help settle things down, especially in the second halves of games. Um, I mentioned that the Pistons have had some second-half collapses that have led to losses. I think a veteran leader like Chauncey Billups, which the Pistons don't have now since he's sitting on the bench, they don't have someone like that on the court, I think Chauncey will really help them focus. I think he's the type of guy who knows his career is coming to an end. He wants a championship. Now, obviously, these are regular season games and early ones at that, but you know he will help focus them, especially guys like Drummond and Singler, who haven't really been in this position before. He'll keep them in check and you know, make sure that they realize how important these games are. It might not seem like it now, but when it comes down to stretch time and the Pistons might need those one or two extra victories that's separating them between the five seed and the eight seed, they'll look back at these games and think, wow, you know, we could have had these games and we not we could have been in a position to not be playing the Miami Heat right now or the Indiana Pacers. So, you know, a lot of time left in the season, still have a lot of time left to, you know, get things on track. Finally getting back to the close to that 500 marker. You know, the Pistons are looking pretty good right now. They're in decent shape. We're currently the sixth seed in the East. Uh, We are half a game behind the Wizards and currently a game and a half behind Boston for the four seed, but they are winning their division right now at eight and 12. And, you know, the Atlantic division in the East is just kind of an absolute joke. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the standings, the Pacers are the one seed, the Heat are the two seed, the Atlanta Hawks are the three seed, the Celtics are the four seed, Washington... Detroit are the five and six seeds. The Bulls are the seven seed, and the Charlotte Bobcats are the eight seed. Now the East is an absolute joke right now, considering only one, excuse me, two teams that would make the Eastern Conference playoffs if they were to start today are above five hundred, and only two more of them are at five hundred, and those are the Atlanta Hawks and the Washington Wizards. In contention for the playoffs right now for the Eastern Conference is the Philadelphia 76ers, the Toronto Raptors and the Orlando Magic and Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, the Pistons play the Brooklyn Nets later in the week. I'll talk about them in just a second and how they match up with Detroit. But Brooklyn is 5-13. and 13. Jason Kidd has not been what he was led up to be. He has been a terrible coach, and he's been ridiculed throughout the league, saying he doesn't do anything during games. He just sits there and watches. Some interesting news over this past week was that Lawrence Frank, his assistant coach, last year he was the head coach of the Detroit Pistons, 
who the Nets sought after hard when they hired Jason Kidd. They wanted a veteran assistant coach to kind of help mold Jason into what Brooklyn wanted him to be, both now and in the long run. They reassigned Lawrence Frank to a different position, and you know rumors came out about him and Jason Kidd having kind of a breakdown, excuse me, a meltdown, that they just didn't see eye to eye. This happened kind of immediately into the season that Lawrence Frank just tried to run the team and not let Jason do his thing. So, you know, that's interesting to see. We'll see how Jason reacts from that. And, uh, you know, I'll talk more about Brooklyn in just a few minutes. Uh, Finally finishing up with that game against Milwaukee, Pistons gave up 22 points and 10 rebounds to Ilyasova. Very good shooter, very underrated player. Um, You know, he gets rebounds, he gets points, and... You know, no one really knows about him since he plays in Milwaukee, but definitely in, uh, someone to keep your eye on, especially since he's in the Pistons division. Pistons are still struggling from three, shot seven for 21 in that game, but they did bring in 55 rebounds, had 11 blocks, and only 15 turnovers, which is eight better than what they did against Miami. Now, a huge bright spot for the Pistons has been the play of Rodney Stuckey and what he's doing off the bench. I think he's in contention right now for six man of the year. He currently ranks second in the NBA and first in the Eastern Conference for most points off the bench at 16.9 points per game. Uh, this was before he played Milwaukee. I think he might have fallen to third after last night's performance. But regardless, he leads all Pistons players in points per game. He only trails Isaiah Thomas on Sacramento for players that have played at least 12 games off the bench. Again, I think he fell the third behind Nick Young on the Los Angeles Lakers, so he would still be on top of the Eastern Conference. I think he's been arguably the Pistons' best player. It has to be either him or Andre Drummond. You know, I want to take a look with you at the other six men candidates' stats right now. Isaiah Thomas on Sacramento has 17.5 points per game, 2.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists. Very good player. You know, he was drafted in the second round out of Washington, Kind of a small guy, very quick, good shooter. You know, he was the 30th pick in the second round in 2011. So this guy almost went undrafted, and he is having a great career so far. Uh, If you recall, Jimmer Ferdette was drafted out of BYU in the first round, a few picks after the Pistons took Greg Monroe. And, you know, Jimmer Ferdette isn't doing anything right now, and Isaiah Thomas is just lighting things up for the Sacramento Kings. Very bright bright future for him great pick by the Kings now Nick Young and the Lakers signed there as a free agent this past offseason he's averaging 14.2 points per game about one assist per game uh two rebounds solid player I think his numbers will start to decline a little bit once Kobe comes back but Lakers have been surprising to a lot of teams they didn't think that they would be quite as good without Kobe Bryant I would say that that's probably true I think that when he comes back they should improve their play but you know he's averaging 25 minutes per game and shooting 44 percent from the field shooting 36 percent from three he's he's just he's having an all-around very good year and I would look for that to continue but I think his numbers should drop off a little bit Jamal Crawford who is on the Clippers still uh, is averaging 15 and a half points per game two and a half rebounds two and a half assists Jamal Crawford you know what you're going to get very quick great ball handling skills great shooter, and is a huge piece of the Clippers puzzle. You know, the Clippers, as I mentioned before on my podcast, have arguably the deepest bench in the league. He's the first man off of it. Great system for him. Doc Rivers is doing wonders with his game, and, you know, those numbers are going to continue, if not get better. 
So that's someone to keep your eye on for the sixth man of the year. And finally, a surprise candidate here, Markeith Morris for the Phoenix Suns is having a terrific year. He's the only forward on this list, if you notice that. Uh, He's averaging 12 points per game, about six rebounds, and close to two assists. So don't take your eyes off him. Obviously, as I mentioned, a lot of time left for six-man candidates to make their mark. But, you know, Rodney Stuckey is doing a terrific job. He's averaging 16.2 points per game, about two and a half assists, two and a half rebounds per game. I want you to take a look at this real quick. And in our wins this year, he is averaging about 30 minutes per game, shooting close to 48% from inside the arc, gets about three rebounds, three assists, and 16 points per game. And our losses this year, he averages about three minutes less per game, shoots about the same, but gets one less rebound, one less assist, but does score more points. I have never really been a huge Rodney Stuckey fan. Ever since we've drafted him in the first round, 15th pick overall out of Eastern Washington. Never really been a fan. He's the type of player, in my eyes, that it's all about him. It's all about Rodney, that he needs to get his shot. He needs to put up the stats so that he can get nice contract when that time comes around you know this is the last year of his current deal with Detroit he's only 27 years old you know there's been talk a lot over the years that if he doesn't work well with a coach he will do everything in his power not to play well for a coach not to give a hundred percent effort that was part of the problem with Kuster that was part of the problem with Lawrence Frank now I don't know what Mochiks has done but he has completely turned around Rodney Stuckey's game and I am loving it I am loving what Rodney Stuckey is bringing to the table. He has been a huge asset to this team. It seems night in and night out, he is coming in, giving 100% effort, been arguably the Pistons' most efficient scorer, and has been just an unbelievable asset to this team. Now, it, it brings up the question, is he a trade piece when the trade deadline comes around? The Pistons, if things keep going how they are going and they make the playoffs, they will have to send their first-round pick to the Charlotte Bobcats. That was a part of the Ben Gordon deal a few years back, and, you know, they could, this has been the deepest draft since the LeBron James draft, supposedly, and, you know, it'd be real nice for the Pistons to have a first-round pick. If Joe Dumars doesn't think this team is a championship contender, I could very well see him shipping Rodney Stuckey out for a first-round pick. I don't know if Stuckey is playing right now for a contract for, you know, his future, and obviously is probably a big part of it, but Is he someone who you're going to want to bring back next year and for years to come? Because he's going to look to get his next big deal, probably his last big deal. And, you know, if he keeps up his play, he's going to deserve it. I don't think he's a long-term fit for Detroit. I would probably look to trade him for a first-round pick, maybe more, maybe someone, another wing player who can help you out, more financially friendly for the long term. But, you know, as of now, he has been very good for Detroit, and it's definitely a six-man-of-the-year candidate would be great for the city of Detroit if he keeps up his play. As I mentioned, I'm going to talk about Andre Drummond now. What an absolute beast. At one point, he recorded seven double-doubles in a row, which was the third longest streak in Pistons history. Compared to last season, he's scoring five more points per game, five more rebounds per game. His field goal percentage is up by five points. He has one extra steal per game and has 12 more minutes per game. Unbelievable numbers for this young guy out of Connecticut just flourishing right now on the court. And, you know, he's making a name for himself for an all-star bid. That I can promise you. Teams are starting to recognize what this young guy is doing. And, you know, you're going to have to start game planning around him. I don't know how you defend him. 
considering that the Pistons don't even run plays for him. He literally just gets offensive rebounds and putbacks and, you know, just the little things that add up. And this isn't like football. This isn't like you can game plan for Calvin Johnson and try and put two defenders, three defenders on him and just try and force him out of the game. You can't double box out Andre Drummond and then leave someone open. Now, what teams have tried to do is what we like to call hack a Drummond. Um, Philly started this in the middle of the third quarter. Milwaukee did it some the other night. And, you know, this is Drummond's biggest flaw. This is his Achilles heel. He is not a good free throw shooter. He has struggled big time from the free throw arc. Andre Drummond is shooting 37% from the free throw line, which is abysmal. Just absolutely terrible. Uh, As a team, the Pistons are only shooting 67% from the free throw line, which is not very good for an NBA team. That's more of a college-level percentage. And I'm looking at their statistics now. The Pistons do not have one player who is shooting above 90%. Actually, excuse me, Luigi Dottome is, but is on a very small scale. All the regular guys are shooting below 85%. Um, So that's something to keep an eye on as the season progresses. But going back to Andre Drummond, he needs to improve his free throw percentage because when teams start to play Hacker Drummond, it's forcing Mo Cheeks to take him out of the game. As I've watched him the last few games, he's working on it. Uh, You can tell during games he's starting to take more time while he's at the free throw line, really focus on what he's doing and the way that he shoots the ball. Um, You know, he's still very young and has lots of time to improve. If you look at LeBron James and the way that he does things, over the course of his career, he takes one weakness of his over an offseason and just focuses on that and tries to improve that. Not try and do everything at once, not try and, you know, become Superman overnight, but over the course of his career, he's been said that he's a bad three-point shooter. So over an offseason, he worked on that. I think Drummond needs to do that over this upcoming offseason. Focus on free throws. Get the, If you get that percentage up, 20%. If you are a 50% free throw shooter, it's not good, but I can guarantee you that teams will stop Hacker Drummond a lot more than what they're doing now. All right, let's take a look at their upcoming schedule. We have an away game at Chicago. We're home against Miami, home against Minnesota, at the New Orleans Pelicans, and at Brooklyn. So let's take a little look at that real quick. All right, the Chicago Bulls are currently 7-9, and nine, and as you probably know by now, Derrick Rose is out for the season with another knee injury. It's sad to see he's one of the best players in the league, just came back from a torn ACL, missed all of last season, had an unbelievable preseason, and looked like he was going to have a great bounce back year, lead the Bulls to a potential championship run. Now, obviously, that's in question because Derrick Rose is a tremendous talent and the Bulls aren't nearly as good without him. So far in the season, they rank 23rd overall in points per game with about 95 They're third overall in rebounds per game. That's always been a Tom Thibodeau classic. They're 15th overall in assists per game and fourth overall in points allowed. Tom Thibodeau thrives off his defense. Great defensive coach. Currently, the Bulls are 7-9. They are half a game behind the Pistons, third place overall in the Central. They have a lot of injuries right now. Jimmy Butler is hurt. Uh, As I said, Derrick Rose is hurt, and, you know, those are two very good players for them. Leading their team is Luol Deng with 19.5 points per game. Carlos Boozer has been their best rebounder. Kirk Heinrich has done a good job filling in for Derrick Rose, getting about five assists per game. And Taj Gibson is starting to get a bigger role for the Bulls, getting about 1.5 blocks per game. Very interesting matchup. 
Pistons have struggled a lot against the Bulls in years past, um, especially on the road. Pistons have a very tough time winning at the United Center. I think that trend might continue, but, you know, the Pistons are hot right now. The Pistons have won five of their last seven games. As I've said, they're finally starting to click on all cylinders. They're finally starting to play together. Big-time division game. I think it's not a must-win. It's too early in the season to have must-wins, but, you know, the way Detroit's been playing... This would be their third, potentially their third road win in a row, which would be huge if they struggled in the road mightily early on in the season and last year. I think Mo Cheeks is turning them around. I'm going to get the Pistons the victory in this game. Uh, the game is at 8 o'clock Saturday night. On Sunday, we fly back to Detroit to play the Miami Heat in what should be a great rematch from the other night. I would expect Dwayne Wade to play in this game. I think that's a big-time added element for Miami and, you know, they're going to want revenge. They don't, they want a 10-game win streak. The Pistons ended it. They want to win as many games as possible, obviously. And they're fighting for another championship ring. They know that the Pistons are much improved. I think they're going to take them way more seriously. And it should be a great game. I'm going to give Miami the edge in that one, though. And the Pistons fall back to one game under 500 at that point. Then on Tuesday, we play the Minnesota Timberwolves at home. Should be a great front court matchup between Andre Drummond and Greg Monroe and Nikola Pekovic and Kevin Love. Two great rebounding teams, tops in the league. Um, that's something to definitely keep an eye on. I also am very much looking forward to seeing Ricky Rubio play. Very Steve Nash-like. Not a lot of people know about him considering he's from Spain, took a year off to keep playing in Spain, and then now the past few years he's been in Minnesota, but that's a very small market team who this year has been surprisingly good. Uh, a lot of teams have somewhat expected it the past few years, but they've never really lived up to the hype. They're finally starting to perform well and are definitely in playoff contention. And then Wednesday, we fly to New Orleans to play the Anthony davis list New Orleans Pelicans. He just broke a bone in his hand, so he will be out for four to six weeks. Obviously, that takes away part of the element of that game is Andre Drummond versus Anthony Davis would have been a great matchup. Anthony Davis was the first round, the first overall pick in the draft that Andre Drummond got taken in. Um, so it's a shame that he's hurt. But New Orleans has been a good team. They still have a lot of pieces in Tyreek Evans, Eric Gordon, uh, Drew Holiday, Ryan Anderson. Very good team. Would expect a great game there. Pistons on the road. I think they're going to get a loss there. New Orleans is very talented. And that would move Detroit to two games under 500. Then we are at home against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, they have been one of the most disappointing teams in the league this year. Them and the Knicks have just been monkey see, monkey do. I want to be worse than you. Brooklyn, right now, they're 5-13. and 13. They, Their coach is pulling antics to get the team's extra timeouts. Um, you know, they're 22nd overall in points per game, 19th in rebounds, 23rd overall in assists per game, and one of the worst defenses in the league and allowing 103 points per game. I don't really understand what's wrong with that team. I think a big part of it is coaching. They've had some injuries with Darren Williams being out. Now Paul Pierce is hurt. Brooke Lopez is still averaging about 19 points per game. Kevin Garnett gets seven and a half rebounds per game. I'm not sure if Jason Kidd is going to sit some of their older guys like Kevin Garnett as he's done several times this season, so that's something to keep an eye on, but Pistons should win this game, you know, if you're a legit team, you have to beat the teams that are worse than you, simple as that, so I would look for the Pistons to win this one quite handily, and bring them one game below 500. Just a few interesting snippets about the Pistons real quick, the Pistons are tied for the youngest starting lineup in the league, with an average of twenty, average age of 23. A few other young starting lineups in the league, 
Cleveland, their average age is 23. Philadelphia's average age is about 24. Utah's is 24. New Orleans is about 24 and a half. And Houston's is 24 and a half. Interesting to point out that only one of those teams has a record of 500. That would be New Orleans. And only one of those teams has a record above 500. That is Houston at 13 and 7. The Pistons have the next best record at 9 and 10. Young starting lineups not working out too great, but it's good to see the Pistons as the top half of that bunch. Um, and the Pistons have one of the youngest teams in the NBA, second youngest in the Eastern Conference. They have five of their 10 rotation players with three years of NBA experience or less. I mentioned this before, some of the youngest rosters in the NBA, Philadelphia, average age is about 24. Houston's is 25. Portland's is about 25. Portland's having a great year, by the way. 16-3, and just beat the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. Uh, interesting little Twitter feud between... LaMarcus Aldridge and Roy Hibbert on the Indiana Pacers. They were kind of going uh, back and forth with each other, kind of just players having fun. And then Hibbert tweeted at LaMarcus Aldridge saying, looking forward to seeing you guys in the NBA Finals. Now, most people wouldn't expect Portland to get there. But then again, most people wouldn't expect them to be 16-3. and They're playing tremendous basketball. They beat the Pistons earlier in the year in Portland. Keep an eye on them because they are definitely Western Conference contenders as of now. The Pistons are the fourth youngest average team in the NBA, about 25 and a half, and Phoenix Suns are also at 25 and a half, who are at 10 and 9, also a very surprising team, considering they were supposed to tank for Andrew Wiggins as well. A few things I'd like to finish with before I end the show. Again, you're listening to 88.9 WDBM. This is Impact Sports. You're listening to The Horsepower. I'm your host, Cameron Billis. A few quick notes on the Chicago Bulls. is They're a division rival, so I'd like to talk about them a little bit more. Detroit is 0-1 against the Bulls this season. The Bulls held the Pistons to a season-low 26 second-half points on November 27th. Rodney Stuckey led the Pistons with 25, and Detroit has lost 14 consecutive games on the road to the Bulls. You know, I mentioned how they struggled to win in Chicago. Hopefully those woes won't continue. I think the Pistons will pull out a victory there. Joe Kim Noah's really been struggling for them, has not been the same Joe Kim Noah that the league is used to. And, you know, the Pistons last time were very competitive against the Bulls in the first half, and then in the second half got outscored by 10 in the third quarter and by 12 in the fourth quarter. I don't think that will continue, and I think the Pistons will come away with a victory. Pistons have been quite the exciting team to watch, much more talented than last season. I really like the job Mo Cheeks has done. I think he's doing a great job of pulling everyone together. Again, this is the Horsepower. Thanks for listening. I'm Cameron Billis. Stay tuned. And for all your MSU sports news and Detroit sports news, especially Detroit Pistons sports news, make sure to check out the Impact Sports website. That's impact, I-M-P-A-C-T, 89FM.org backslash sports. Again, that's impact, 89FM.org backslash sports. This has been the third podcast for the Horsepower. I'm your host, Cameron Billis. Thanks for listening, and have a great holiday season, everybody.